Welcome to Break the Ice with Mike Vogel, presented by Power Up Premium Trail Mix, the official trail mix of the Washington Capitals. Hey everyone, Mike Vogel here for Break the Ice, back with another uh, episode. Today joined by CAPS Assistant General Manager Ross Mahoney as we uh, do our annual unpacking after the uh, the NHL draft and this one uh, in Montreal this, this past weekend. Um, great weather, great, great scene. And, and Ross, I know I asked you about this before the draft, but now that we're through it, um, how was it for you and, and for everyone around the league, do you think, to get back to conducting it in a live and in-person uh, atmosphere and, and to be able to sail through that second day kind of kind of quickly like, like we used to in the old days? Yeah, no, I thought it was great. And, um, you know, you have that atmosphere. You get into the, the city that's hosting it, and you can just tell there's a bit of a buzz about the, about the draft. And, uh, you know, the same thing when you get down on the draft floor, you have all the teams. And uh, uh, the first day was sold out with, you know, 21,000 yeah. people in the, in the rink. And, so you're con- comparing that atmosphere to the atmosphere of being in your war room or dressing room, which we did the last couple of years. And, and the other part was really nice. We've hired, uh, you know, three three scouts uh, in the last couple of years, and uh, they hadn't been to a draft yet. So it was really good for them to experience that atmosphere and to be in that environment as compared to being on their computer in a Zoom call, uh, you know, ready for us if we needed to ask them any questions, you know, before we made a pick. Yeah, I think we all missed it. It's it's arguably my my favorite event of the year anyway so it's uh it was great to see it again and to see the the kids you know they worked their their whole life to that point to to for this day and and a lot of them this is the peak that is the day you know ultimately that they'll that they'll remember when you know when they're sitting around looking back on it decades from now so it was good for them to get back to, to having that experience there's there's nothing like seeing that kid in the seventh round who's sitting there with his his head on his hands, uh, hear his name called, and to, to be able to have that, that moment of exhilaration with his family. I definitely miss that. Yeah, it's really it's really nice to see them with the family. So, you know, you got grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, mm-hmm. or brother and sister, and, uh, and just the, you know, the joy and the, and the kind of little celebration that they have going. So, yeah, it was, it's cool to see that always. And then as for the draft itself, you know, we've done this before. We've been doing this for 20 years, you and I, post-draft. Uh, we just go right down the list here. Uh, obviously, Ivan Moroshnishenko uh, there in the first round. Um, a guy who would, nor- under normal circumstances, not have been available to you guys uh, at number 20. Obviously, a ton of skill, ton of uh, uh, some similarities to Alex Ovechkin in that he plays the left side, shoots the right side, uh, uh, shoot is a right-handed shot, um, but he has has a big body uh, already and kind of a, uh, a well-packed body. Tough, tough to knock off the puck, uh, I would imagine. But there's only one Alex Ovechkin, obviously, so no comparisons here. But what makes him so special, and what's he going to need to do um, to make the jump to the NHL aside, obviously, from from staying healthy? Yeah, I think uh, you know the first thing I guess would be his. Uh his natural ability, you know, he could really shoot the puck. Um, you know, I think he will be a, a very good goal scorer at the NHL level, which is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's players that can score goals, and then there's actually goal scorers, and I think he would be a goal scorer. Um, 
He's always been assistant captain or captain of the team. He was captain of the under-18 team in Russia last year that won the gold medal at the Holinka tournament. He uh, was assistant captain on the under-20 team, which I found kind of interesting for a Mm 17-year-old, which uh, almost all the team was 18- and 19-year-olds, so he's got that leadership and character. Um, Not afraid to take the puck to the net, you know. He's not one of those guys that stays out on the perimeter. You know, he'll go to the hard areas to score. Uh, he can also pass. You know, he's got good vision. Um, as far as improvement, I think it's just to continue to get stronger. But he is, you know, a big body right now at six one, about 190 pounds. Have you seen that strength come back uh, to, to a degree? He obviously uh, underwent some some chemotherapy courses there uh, in, in Germany and uh, had heard that, that, you know, he was a little gaunt there for a while. But it sounds like he's... He's, uh, he's he's getting his uh, his strength and his conditioning back. Yeah, no, for sure. I uh, At the under-18s, we were in uh, in Germany for that, and uh, he was at the rink one day uh, just getting ready. Um, I think he was there to get his second round of chemo, and uh, or just finished his second round of chemo and spoke to him and his father and, and his a uh, couple of his agents that represent him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he looked really gaunt, as you said. I mean, as... Uh, you know, it lost all his hair, and, and uh, his jeans were just kind of hanging on his hips. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I thought, what a courageous young man, you know. Um, and then uh, we interviewed him before the draft on a Zoom call, and he looked a lot healthier. We interviewed him again mm-hmm. at the draft, and uh, he the, the, the change was remarkable. He just looked like he was getting so much bigger and stronger again, and you know, kind of looked like the player we and the person we had seen uh, a year ago, so... Yeah, good for him. You know, it's good that he's looking a lot better. He, he seemed to ever really good disposition, personality, all that stuff. I sat in on that that interview that you mentioned uh, the day before, and you could see he he's he's definitely um, more buoyant uh, about about his uh, his situation right now, which is which is great to see. Um, you know, and after the first round, we walked back to the hotel together, you and I. And you had mentioned at that point there were a couple of guys out there that you still liked, and you're thinking, man, I'm you know if we're going to get one of these guys, I'm going to have to sweat through 13, 14 picks at, at number 46 was where you guys were sitting. But obviously, um, you know Brian McClellan's been vocal about the fact that you know he's looking to maybe alter the the goaltending situation you've had, Vitek Vanacek, Ilya Samsonov here for the last couple of years, and. Those guys have done okay, but the, the, we just—I I think they're looking for a little more growth out of both of those guys. Maybe one of them seizing that job, um, trying to maximize these these last this last Alex Ovechkin contract, squeeze a little more pulp out of the the, the glass here. Um, but it seemed like your your objectives kind of dovetailed there, where Mac was able to to make a trade with New Jersey, um, move Vitek Vanacek there. And not only pick up a draft pick in the third round, um, but slide up nine spots, and that enabled you to grab Ryan Chesley there uh, at number thirty-seven, the pick that you got uh, from the Devils. And um, I think a lot of people had him maybe going somewhere in the first round, right-handed defenseman. We talked about him after the draft that he'd been to Shattuck St. Mary's, um, the U.S. development team program, and now University of Minnesota. Three pretty iconic uh, programs, and he seems like a kid who um, has a pretty good conditioned body for for his age um and and that typically you know when we're sitting here talking year after year a lot of those guys they're they need to to get there and he seems like he's been on that track for a while now yeah no for sure um 
you know, the, at the start of the, you know, your, your comments on Ryan, it's, uh, you know, we were sitting there after day one, as you said, and we're, we're thinking, you know, kind of had three players that we thought we could, uh, would be really happy to get. But I was really concerned that we wouldn't have a chance to get them when we were picking, mm-hmm. you know. And then when the trade was made, I was like, oh, you know, maybe we don't have to have a discussion about trying to trade up to make sure we can get one of those three. You know, now all of a sudden we got three of them and we, uh, you know, had four or five picks in order to get them. And, and Ryan was there and I thought, boy, I think we really lucked out there. I mean, I think he he should have gone in the first round, you know, for whatever yeah. reason he didn't. And uh, it's uh, it was really good for us. And, and you're right. I mean, he played in the under 18, the development program, you know, in the U.S., um, uh, good leadership, uh, could really skate, um, you know, plays a physical game and is more offensive than people know. Um, one of our scouts, Jeremy Browning, told me that uh, he had scored the most goals, I think, for a defenseman in the history of the under-18 program. And I said, well, that's good, but he also might have played more games than some of them. Let's look at, you know, goals per game. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy looked it up, and uh, he was sixth. And, uh, you know, you're talking Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, Justin Falk. Those are the type of players that... Uh, you know, are ahead of him on that list of, of uh, the top six scores. So a lot more offense there. Um, the strength, uh, he already is mature for his age physically. He is really, really strong. You know, got a real, really good core strength. And I think that's, you know, probably why he's been so good with his skating and also with his uh, physicality for, for a player of his size. So, yeah, it's, uh, as you said, unlike a lot of the kids we talk about where, Strength is always something that they need to get better at, but uh, you know Ryan already has, a, like I said, a really good core strength, and so yeah, it's just really, really glad we could call his name out. Seems like he's got some real two-way capability too, and he mentioned Ryan McDonough as 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 a similar player. I've seen other um, scouting reports that that use that comparison as well. It was 15 years ago that McDonough was drafted, and I remember sitting in on his interview in, in Columbus that year, and he's obviously had a terrific career, and I think you guys would be thrilled if, if 15 years from now um, Ryan Chesley turns out to have you know, had maybe even 80%, 90% of uh, Ryan McDonough's career. Yeah, no, that would be uh, great. That's actually a good comparison um, that, that Ryan had, a pretty good self-evaluation. Um, a lot of similarities for sure with the uh, – with the skating and the character and the uh, and leadership, you know. Um, but I said also, I think Ryan, uh, he can really shoot the puck. He's uh, He's got a bomb for a shot. Third round, this is the pick that you managed to get from New Jersey in that Vanacek trade. That was at number 70, took uh, Alexander Sustalik. Um He's the kid who was born in Russia. His dad was a professional bandy player in Sweden, so that's where he grew up and uh you, you read about this guy, and he, he seems to have that, that boomer bust um, tag on him, fair or not, but uh, a ton of skill. We, we saw the, the video of him doing the Michigan uh, from behind the net. He's obviously a great puck handler and, and all that. What, when you see these guys with, with that designation, what typically that boomer bust designation, whether or not you agree with it here in this situation, what, what typically makes the difference um, in those guys as to which fork in the road their career ends up taking. Yeah, I, I, I think with uh, with this player, you know, there's uh, he could really skate. Um, he's got really good skill. Um, I think it is a matter of getting stronger. You know, and the stronger you get, the better you are in those one-on-one battles and, you know, being able to, 
you know, get better position in front of the net and be able to tip pucks and, you know, maybe score more goals and rebounds and that sort of thing. So I, I think that's uh, probably why people think he could be a little more of a, you know, boomer bust. Uh, not for us. You know, we don't see that at all. We see a guy that, uh, like I said, can really skate, smart, good hands, and needs to get stronger and then be a little more successful in some of those one-on-one battles. Um in the uh, later in that third round with the pick that you guys uh, had yourselves, uh, Ludwig Paris, Ludwig Pearson, I'm, I'm guessing is the the pronunciation of the last name. Um, he, and he'd played a couple of games, a couple of dozen games actually over the last two seasons at the, uh, not the Swedish Elite League, but the the higher uh, Swedish against and with men. Um, but in in his junior league, I think finished second in scoring and put up about a point and a half a game. And I saw where some were expecting him to maybe before this past season started to, to be a first or second round type of pick. So this is another guy that, that may under some other circumstances not been available um, for you, but obviously there's some, some offensive ability uh, that he has. And we know that that Swedish players typically are, are pretty well schooled in the finer points of defense. And he does have good hockey sense What's it going to take for, for him to get here? Yeah, I think continue to get stronger. Um, but our scouts really liked him. I know, uh, you know, Mats Wiederstahl, who's been our, our uh, Swedish scout for a long, long time. And, you know, Matt spoke very highly of him. And Matty Lamberg and Peter Inchek also. Um, sometimes when you're a late birthday, you seem to fly in a little bit under the radar. Yeah. You know, I don't know why. I mean, not for us, but I, I, it seems like... Some of those late birth dates, you know, where you have an extra year to watch them. I don't know if you end up seeing them a little too much. And some of the things they need to improve on, maybe you, you start to look at that a little too much. And then uh, a lot of times they seem to drop a little bit in the in the draft. But as you said, I mean, he can skate um, second in the junior league in scoring. I mean, that's it's a tremendous junior league. And you yeah. look at the, all the kids that were drafted that played in the junior yeah. league. Um and as you said, did play some games in the men in the Elsvenskan and the next, you know, the next uh, league up. Um, but I think it's just it's a matter of you know continuing to get a little bit stronger and and be uh, like strong, like I said before, in the corners and and puck battles. You you mentioned that late birthday thing that it, it just occurred to me that, uh, like you said, um, you see those kids a little more for for a while. Um, do you think it's it's maybe something to do whether it's subconsciously that. That, that career arc is all, is just a little bit further along, that there might just be the one more year of, of junior hockey, in, in, this, in the case of a CHL player, obviously, but um, versus a guy who maybe has a February birthday and, and is actually coming into his year 18 season after he's been drafted. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. If it's, if it's a better player uh, like Ludwig, um, you see them a lot when they're 16. You know, because they're already on the on the radar and they're playing a lot of times uh, in up in their age group, maybe on the under eighteen team already, and and then you get them when they're seventeen, but it's not their draft year, and so you're watching them again uh, a lot, and then you have to wait until their you know eighteen year old year, and now you're seeing them again, so you got three years, and I just think sometimes, you know, they all have uh, their pluses and their minuses, and some of those minuses you've. You see it again, like I said, for another year, and you start to maybe dwell on that a little bit. And I think sometimes you're a little bit harder than those players than you should be. I remember a player, Rhett Warner, a long time ago, was that kind of thing. It was like, because of 17, it was like, mm. oh, wow, this guy's, you know, really, really good. And But he was a late birthday. Had to wait the next year to watch him. And 
going to get drafted, I think, more in the second round, not the first. And, and then he's in the Stanley Cup Finals for Florida Panthers. You know, so it's I think we're just a little too hard sometimes because it's an extra year of evaluating them and maybe get uh, a little more critical than you should. He went on to have a pretty good career too. Um, Jake Carabella in the uh, fifth round at at one forty nine. See him listed as a center mostly, but see him list, listed by some as a left wing, uh, a guy who can move up and down the lineup. Seems like a little bit of a Swiss Army knife in in that uh, regard. But he also seems to have some some good puck handling skills from from uh, from what I've heard as well. What do you what do you see from him? What do you like about his game, and where does he need to uh, refine and and grow? Yeah, Jake is a really good skater. You know, he could really skate. Um, got a really good hockey IQ. Um, unselfish player. Probably had uh, twice as many assists mm-hmm. as he had goals. Um, you know, is he going to be a goal scorer at the next level? Not sure about that. Um, but he can be a very good complementary player. Um, excelled on the penalty kill, I think, with his skating in his hockey sense. You know, he had showed really good anticipation. Um, you know, not, not the biggest player. And so I think that's a challenge for him is to, to continue to get stronger. But, I mean, for us to be able to get a player, like I said, who can skate the way he does and think the game with the way he does in the in the fifth round, I think was uh, was a really good pick for us. And we have to remember, too, a lot of those kids in the OHL, you know, they missed a whole season. Yeah. And so, you know, I think maybe for, for the scouting community, that was a little bit harder with some of the OHL kids in the sense that, uh, you know, didn't get to see him play the year before. And... Uh, so really, last year basically was his first year in the OHL, and I thought he did did very well for a, a first time in that league. You know, it's it's a very good league. Have you guys, as a as a group, as a, as a prof, you know as a profession, the scouting profession, had to make some allowances and some sort of recalibrate your your expectations and and your um, your metering on on a lot of these guys because of that. And at what point will will do you think we'll be past that and be able to to just sort of evaluate pre as you would have pre-pandemic. Yeah, no, I think hopefully next year, I think everything should be back and, and we kind of end up a little more of our natural rhythm that we have in the scouting community. Um, you know, we had players that had played in a bubble, maybe 24 games, but some of those were 16-year-olds at the time too, and they didn't play all 24 games. Right. You know, we had the OHL who never played any games. You know, we had... Uh, kids in the USHL who were playing 50 games or 55 games, and we had kids in Europe who, uh, you know, played varying degrees of games. So I, I just told the guys, let's not be too critical early in the year. Like, let's be a little more patient and, uh, you know, let some of these guys get, you know, 25 or 30 games in, and then, uh, you know, after Christmas come January, we'll, we'll be a little more, uh, like I said, a little more... Uh, attentive to what they're doing and, and kind of give them a pass for the first 25 or 30 games. In round six at 181, you, you selected Ryan Hofer out of the, the Western League. He played with Everett um, and really took a leap forward. He had played a handful of games with Everett, and that was his first taste of the Western Hockey League the year before, but really emerged and had, had a nice season for himself. And he's got a brother who's a goaltender in the St. Louis system. I'm struggling to think of, a, of the last time we, we had uh, a situation where in the N- NHL we had a a power forward uh, who had a brother in the league. I mean, the Espositos are, are the only ones who stand out for me. Even even really any forward and, and a goaltender, it feels like it's been a while. 
uh, since since I've seen that. But we talked a little bit about Ryan after the draft, and and you know he's old enough that he could step onto the the Hershey roster this fall. But um, given his his trajectory and kind of what we just talked about too, the fact that you know the, the last couple of years have been a little bit different for for everyone. Maybe it does make more sense for him to play his overage year in, in the Western League. He'll be here this week. This is, I guess, the beginning of that evaluation that will make that determination. But ultimately, what what goes into that as far as, I mean, how much of it is him and what you see from him, um, what you think he'll be able to do if he plays at Everett versus at, at Hershey this year, and then maybe just how um, – how much room you might have for uh, for him on on that roster uh, in Hershey this year? Yeah, really good questions. Um, you know, like it, to to begin with, I guess as far as drafting him, I and he had been through the draft, as you said. Right. Um, and Daryl Bumgartner and Evan Marble, you know, our Western scouts, uh, they really uh, thought he improved a lot during the year as compared to a lot of the other prospects uh, out west. Um, as you said, he's a big body guy, six foot three, he's about 185, 190 pounds. Um, he's a very honest hockey player. He comes to play. Um, you know, he can skate. He's, he's got a good shot too, but he is, uh, he plays hard. He finishes every check. You know, he goes hard to the net. Um, he's a good teammate. You know, there's a, a few occasions last year I know he stepped in and in a physical way to help out uh, some of his teammates. Um, so I think it's really, really interesting um, uh, a pick, and especially when those guys, uh, when uh, Evan and, and Daryl talk so highly of him, you know. Um, as far as his path, um, you know, as you said, you know, a couple of years ago, you're not playing a whole lot, you know, and then played a lot this year. Um, it, it's up to him, really, you know, and, yeah. and I really believe that, and, and I He's going to come here, as you said. This will be step one, and and uh, we'll see what he can do at this camp. And then he's going to have that, uh, you know, ability to go back home and to train hard and to get himself stronger physically and and uh, apply everything he learns here this week, you know, for the next six weeks back home, and then come back for our, our rookie camp and and main camp, and uh, we'll see where he's at, you know, um, to go back to junior as a twenty year old, and you know play 22, 25 minutes a game and, and play up in the lineup mm-hmm. and get power play time and, and uh, you know, being able to handle the puck a little more and, and that sort of thing is, uh, you know, that wouldn't, uh, you know, that's, that's it would be a good situation also for me if he does that. But, you know, it's up to him. We'll see how he does and uh, we'll make our evaluations. Um, and then in the seventh round, you, you chose David Gucciardi, a guy who you said was on your radar a little bit last year. Um, and that was before he had played his freshman year at uh, Michigan State University. And I, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's hard for guys when they make that transition to, to the NCAA sometimes, depending on the program, to get some ice time. I and we saw that, I think, with um, with Brent Johnson this year, who, who you know, got 23 games with, with North Dakota. And that that's a really, obviously, strong program. But um, – I think Gucciardi was in the 30s in games played and seemed to have uh, some offense to his game as well. What what do you uh, see from him? And he he seems like a, a, a kind of a good project, um, a guy that you can you know have parked at a, at a good program for a few years and and see how how he uh, progresses. 
Yeah, as you said, we uh, we did have interest in drafting him last year, but uh, you know you you have somebody else ahead in your list that you take. Um, but our our U.S. scouts, uh, A.J. Taves and Jeremy Browning and Rich Alger, you know, they really pushed, you know, to get this guy drafted. And and from my perspective, and where I you know where I am with my job, that's exactly what I want. You know, when you get those later picks, like we said, Ryan Hoffer with our Western scouts, and now talking about Gucciardi with our U.S. scouts, you know, they pushed hard for him. They really wanted to take him. And so for me, that's such a positive, you know. I've got my guys really, really want to draft this guy. And, yeah, he could skate, good skater. He's got good offense. As you said, he's in a good program. You know, he's got another three years that he can play there and, and develop. And so I, I was really happy that we got him. And the, and the U.S. scouts, were they were really happy. They were glad that we called his name out. In terms of evaluating players, and, and, I, and I'm going to ask you about a couple of guys specifically who were drafted uh, last year, but we, we've talked about, obviously, the, the impact that the, that the pandemic has had, but there are other things that, that get into a, other speed bumps that can, can get into a player's um, way in terms of development. So looking at last season, Hakan announced the uh, fifth-round pick that you guys had last year from Germany. One of the younger guys, he just played his year 18 season uh, last year in the Quebec League, and a shoulder injury kind of derailed, took a massive chunk out of the middle middle of the season for him. But, you know, you can see some 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 promise in those numbers that he did put up when he was healthy. Um, so there's him with the, with the injury. And then you had a couple of guys out in the Western League, uh, the goaltender Garen Bjorklund, who can turn pro this year, and defenseman Drew Krebs, who both played for a, a medicine hat team that had a real struggle getting through uh, that season. How, how do you, you know, make allowances when you evaluate players like that who's maybe their counting numbers aren't where you'd hope they'd be, but it's it's really through no fault of their own in a, it, in a lot of cases. Yeah, no, not at all. And I mean, in in, in Hawkins' case, I mean, you know, injuries happen, and there's there's nothing you can yeah. do about that. And uh, you know, it's a it's actually a good situation there for him in uh, in Gatineau. You know, they've got some really good young players. Also, you know, there were uh, I think three of them that were just drafted in this past draft. Three of his teammates, and so. You know, and, and uh, Louis Robitaille, who we know the coach, was part of our organization yeah. for a long time. And Louis is really passionate, you know, and I know he really likes Hawkins a lot. So we've got him healthy now. And, uh, you know, hopefully he has a good week of, uh, of camp here. And, uh, you know, he'll be with a Swedish, or sorry, with a German, you know, under 20 team probably also. Yeah. And uh, he's been the captain of those teams in the past. So... Yeah, he just needs to get healthy and get some games yeah. and, and play. And, you know, you get your confidence back and feel good about yourself. It's not a lot of fun when you sit up in the stands and watch your teammates. You know, you want to be on the ice so badly. But but it also is, uh, you know, like you deal with the adversity and you're going to deal with adversity as you go along. Yeah, you know, absolutely. you're going to have injuries. And so in some ways it's uh, it's tough, but it's also probably a, a learning, you know, experience. Um as far as Drew and uh, and Garen, I mean, uh, obviously, really tough years in the sense that their team was, uh, you know, if not the weakest, one of the weakest teams in uh, in the Canadian Hockey League. Um, uh, you know, it's good they, they have a really good coach there, though. Willie Desjardins is mm-hmm. an excellent yeah. coach. They just were in a cycle where they were, uh, you know, kind of rebuilding a bit. Um, you know, Garen's numbers, uh, I guess if you're strictly looking at numbers, weren't what they were the year before. Um, 
And that's not to say, if people are listening, that he regressed as far right. as his ability. The The numbers were just a result of having a younger team that uh, didn't have a real strong defense in front of him. Um, we've had good values with goalies before. Uh, you know, Braden Holpe, when he played for the Saskatoon up. Blades, uh, you know, on a struggling team that was rebuilding, and Braden's numbers weren't great either. And, and uh, you know, a couple of years later, he's... You know, pretty successful goalie. He was the same goalie. Just got a little bit older and stronger, but it wasn't, uh, it didn't have anything to do with his ability. You know, I think sometimes when you're a goaltender and you're playing on a team that's uh, rebuilding or a weaker team, you probably cheat a little bit more than you should because, you know, you figure you have to make every save. And uh, and I think sometimes, uh, you know, you could have the odd bad habit creep in a little bit, um, but that's up to our goalie coaches to, to, you know, I'd like to say to help Garen. I mean, he's he's so athletic, you know. And he, I mean, I remember watching one game early in the year where I think he lost 6-1, to one, and you would think, oh, 6-1, to one, he must have had a really tough night. We had a tough night in the sense that six goals went by him, but honestly, it should have been 10-1. to one. Mm. You know, I had another coach one time phone me uh, later in the year and said, you know, you're, we, we beat we beat Medicine Hat, but your guy played outstanding. He said, he, I think he stopped 50 shots. You know, he might have let in five, yeah. but he stopped 50 shots. And so... That was kind of the uh, the uh, amount of shots he was facing, you know, every game. But, you know, I look at it also like, in, in a way, again, it's another good experience for him. You know, you're you're going to have, you know, sometimes you're playing games where, where it is a little more difficult and you don't quite have, you know, the defense in front of you that you want, whether it's through injuries or, or those sort of things. And, and uh and once again, dealing with adversity, and I thought he did a fantastic job of, of dealing with that. You know, I saw him later in the year, and he was just as competitive, and he was working just as hard as he was at the beginning of the year. And and when you're a goaltender and you're you're uh, turning around and pulling you know pucks out of the net that you normally don't do uh, as many during a game, that's not easy. But I really gave him credit for uh, battling right till the end. Um, and for Drew, you know, he was... Uh, uh, on that defense, you know, can really skate. I thought he did a really good job. Um, probably tried to do a little too much sometimes, and I think some of the better players in that team did, and I, I totally get it because nobody wants to lose. You know, that can be frustrating, and so I think it's, it's, uh, at times, he, as I said, he did maybe try to do a little too much and probably felt he needed to contribute a little more offensively, but uh, he played very well, you know, and he's, he's uh, we're happy with his progress. And, and again, he's... You know, you talk to the coaching staff there. I mean, uh, not only does he work hard o- on the ice, but he's one of the best guys off the ice, you know. Um, even his draft year, I remember the coach always talked about two players. It was Cole Sillinger, you know, who's with Columbus now, and yeah. it was Drew Krebs as far as guys that really were committed both on and off the ice. And so when you have that commitment, you're only going to get better, you know. So, yeah, tough year, I guess, as a for both of them as a – on a team that wasn't successful, but I really liked the way they battled through it. And you mentioned Braden Hope. He, he, he went through that as well. Mike Green, same same thing. And, you know, the other side of that coin is I've talked to Zach Fucali about that. He had it the, the opposite way. He played for arguably, the, you know, one of the, one of the best teams of, of the modern era. In, in the, you know, he had, you know, coasted his way through, uh, had gaudy numbers, and, and then, you know, he, when everything comes kind of easy to you, that that's not an ideal situation either, as, as he, he would be the, the first to, yeah. to tell you. You know, the other big thing, too, with those kids is that our, our development team is so good. 
you know, like Steve Richmond mm-hmm. and, and Brooks Orpik and Jim Slater and, you know, our kids, even though they were in a tough situation there in Medicine Hat, you know, they had that support from, from Steve and from, from Brooks and Jim. So I think that's really, really important too, you know, that uh, you've got, you know, our development group are, who are so good and being able to help them, you know, through a tough year. And like I said, they were, they were competitive right till the very end. I mean, we've seen that that you you guys were. I, I from from my recollection, one of the first teams to to start to devote some time to that, uh, having that Steve in that position, and then expanding it to include Brooks and Jim and and Uli a little bit too as well. Um, and it just seems like that's paid off. And now you look around the league, and that's obviously best practice. Everybody's got two or three player or two or three people in in that position now, and. I think they realize that you've got to have that bridge from people like yourself who, you know, spot the talent, find it, and bring it into the organization. You need that bridge to get them from that point to to the NHL because um, it's it's a, I mean, it's a huge life change, lifestyle change for for them um, to go from from amateur to pro. Yeah, it, it was really hard on uh, like the area scouts. I mean, sometimes you're at a you're at a game and you're. Uh, you know, you wait around to, to talk to the uh, the player after, and they lost the game, and you know the coach is upset. You know they're upset, or you know it's probably the last thing they want to do is end up talking to to one of us. You know, and then the you know the area guy had other games to go to, obviously, and travel. And and you're right, we were one of the first teams, I think, that really uh, had someone full time. And Steve Richmond, and Steve gets it. You know, I mean, his his son went through it. Danny, yeah. was, Danny was a high draft pick of Carolina, and and. Uh, you know, Steve can, uh, he can give you a hug, and he can also give you a little bit of a <laughs> kick in the pants if you need it. You know, he's got that that personality, and and so you know, as and as you said, we expanded with Jim and Brooks, and then and Oli, and and uh, kind of unique to have Oli in there too, because you know we have our goaltending staff here in Washington, obviously, mm-hmm. and in Hershey, and you know, but it's hard for them also, you know, to because uh, they have their commitment with the with the two clubs and. So to have a, a, a former NHLer and, and, a, and a heck of a goalie and Oli to be able to work with our younger guys also and as part of the development team, is it's huge. And I think the thing with Oli is that he, his his path was not linear by by any means. So I think I think he's great in, in that regard. Uh, let's uh, before we let you go, let's have a let's take a look uh, a quick look at uh, what we can expect from the first year pro class that that we've got coming in here. Um, you, you've got a goaltender that you signed late last season. I believe it was in late March, Clay Stevenson, who had a few years in the BCHL. Uh, big kid, one year at Dartmouth. Um, you got three right-handed defensemen, uh, Vincent Iorio, Benton Moss. Assuming you you sign him, and he's a, he's a kid who benefited from that that extra year of eligibility. You got to play in the Frozen Four last year after he transferred from uh, New Hampshire, and then you've got Martin Hosh. Uh, two with three righties uh, who who could turn pro this year. Uh, up front, I'm seeing Bear Hughes. Uh, I'm seeing Henry Rabinsky, who you signed as a free agent, was a former Florida pick, and then I think most notably Hendricks Lapierre. And let's start with him because he obviously could play. I think another year uh, in the Quebec League. He because again of the pandemic and some injuries with him. I think he has a total of 128 games at that level, but. Better than a point a game, and he was playing in that league when he was 16 and playing well in that league. 
Does that maybe make it a little more likely that he would be able to, to turn pro this year? Yeah, no, I think for sure. I think Hendrick has accomplished a lot. You know, he, uh, in the Helenka team there, I thought he was one of Canada's best players. You know, it really uh, came on the radar the year before for us too with, uh, with Alan Haworth. And uh, he had such a great showing, I thought, at last year's camp. And then, you know, had that ability to play some games with the with the Capitals and we had some injuries and, you know, scored his first goal. And so, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking for a, a big camp from Hendricks and uh, move on in, into professional hockey. And when I talked to Mac in, in Montreal, I mentioned the fact that, you know, as of right now, the, the only defenseman the Caps have under contract beyond this season is John Carlson. So obviously there'll be some, some work to be done contract-wise, and I expect some of those guys, the, the Nick Jensen's and the Dmitry Orlovs, hopefully to, to sign an extension, stay here, maybe Trevor Van Riemsdyk as well. And Marty Fervari obviously would be an RFA after this year, and he's obviously a kid that you love and, and for great reasons. So hopefully he's here too. But, you know, we, we saw last year early in the season some of the, those – uh, forward picks that you guys have made over the last several years came up and, and really helped keep the team afloat while uh, Nick Backstrom was out of the lineup and kept – you guys got off to a great start at the NHL level last year, and I think that that really helped sustain that 100-point that finish uh, over a year through through which there was much adversity of, of all types. Um, but now you look and you see you've got these three right-handed defensemen coming in, and you, you know, as we noted earlier, a, a handful of other ones bubbling under for uh, who will be you know making that that leap uh, at, at future uh, uh, future years. But to to have three righties coming in in the same year seems kind of unique. And and if, assuming they all do come in, how do you um, you know accommodate them within the system? Yeah, no, it's uh, it is a unique situation, I guess, with uh, you know drafting Vincent to right-handed shot, you know, and and, uh, and we also have uh, you know Ryan Chesler, we just drafted as yeah. a right-handed shot. We've got uh, you know Johnson to be at North Dakota as a right-handed shot. Um, so yeah, and uh, not by design, <laughs> right? Just once again pick of the best player that was available to us, and uh, but for the ones that are turning pro, um, you know, it's. Uh, it's come to camp and make things difficult on the coaching staff, you know, make it, make it hard for them, you know, make it tough for them to, to send you down to the minors. I mean, that's how I look at it as a, it's a, it's really up to the player. And we said earlier in this interview about coming here and, you know, being a sponge and soaking up everything that, uh, that's being offered. And, uh, you know, for me, we have the best, we got the best people, you know, like our, this camp is unbelievable. I think that Steve Richmond and his group put on its uh, NHL coaches, American League coaches, East Coach League coaches, you know, the uh, same as far the trainers and the equipment managers and, and uh, you know, guest coaches. And I, I don't think it's accidental that in the last uh, 21 years, since 2000, this team has won more games than anybody in the National Hockey League. I think it's about 916 games and you know, I think this one team has made the playoffs one more year than we have. I think we've made the playoffs 17 times in those in that yeah. time frame. Um, and that was through a massive rebuild also where yeah. we blew the whole team up. And so it was going to be, going to be a three-year period where we weren't going to make the playoffs probably. That was the reality of it. So I think that success that, that we've had, I mean, it starts here. It starts uh, today, you know, with what we've got. And it kind of filters its way up to the top in the future and uh, – yeah, we'll see how these uh, these younger players do. But that, like I said, the one that turns 
turns pro, like just to have the best summer you can training and come back and, and uh, no matter what people, maybe have people slotted in for certain areas, you know, certain teams, just, just make it difficult. Make it really a hard decision for coaches and management to decide where you should play this year. So then we've got the, the goaltenders you talked about, Bjorkland. What, what made Clay Stevenson an attractive uh, uh, sign for you guys as a, uh, as a free agent? Yeah, I, I guess you know, a lot of credit to Danny Brooks, obviously. You know, Danny is, uh, is doing that. I mean, uh, it was interesting. I come in yesterday, and I'm walking around, and I look at our two biggest players are two of our goalies, <laughs> Clay Stevenson and, and uh, Chase Clark. They, they both have to be six foot six. They're, they're huge. So, obviously, um, you know, we talk about uh, square footage. When it comes to goaltenders, yeah. it's sometimes it's difficult for the smaller goalies because they don't have that square footage. You've got to come out too far to cut down the angle, and then that's okay. But then you don't, you know you have to scramble back so far to get back into the net to maybe to be able to make a second save. And uh, so there is an advantage when you are that big. But but uh, when you are that big and you are that tall, you also have to be athletic. And uh, Clay, you know, showed a athleticism that, that we think, you know, you would need to be a, a goaltender and uh, yeah, good for us to be able to get him. And I, I know that, you know, the goal, the goaltending staff and, you know, Ole and, and also uh, obviously Westy and, and uh, Scott Murray, they're a huge part of that also. All these decisions are group decisions. And so they all thought really highly of him and uh, we're glad we got him here. Now you mentioned Westy and he, he gets a job with, with Detroit. You guys have done it. I think you guys have done a really good job of developing coaches here too. Spencer Carberry, um, and you see his name in the mix uh, for, for head coaching gigs this summer. Uh, Tim Ohashi uh, moved on to Seattle. So I think, you know, you, you look around, you guys have, have, have really, uh, that, that, that term development doesn't just apply here um, to, to the players. Now, last thing before we let you go, Bear, Gary Bettman over the, uh, the weekend mentioned that the NHL draft is the end of one season and the beginning of another. And I know that, you know, you're here this week to evaluate these kids that you've drafted over the last several years and the last few days. But as soon as this is over and possibly even before this week is over, you and Steve Bowman will be out and on to the next. Uh, where are your travels taking you next and, and when? Which tournament is is uh, going to be drawing your attention here yeah, as I'll, soon as you're uh, out of here? I'll head home on the 17th here, and then uh, I think I'm home for three days. And then we've got uh, Canada brings in their top 40 kids for next year's draft, and they also have their under 20. Um, and then right after that, there's is that the next, in Calgary. Uh, it'll be in uh, yeah Calgary, and then the Lincoln Tournament will be in Red Deer this year. So nice. we've got you know eight teams that come in with the you know the U.S. and mm-hmm. Sweden and Finland and Czech Republic and those those sorts of countries. So those are the the top kids that for next year's draft in all those countries. So that'll run for for about a week, and there's been some exhibition games there also. And then we've got uh, the World Junior Tournament, the completion of last year's World Junior Tournament. So that'll be in Edmonton. Um, so you know, we'll do most of that. And so that's uh, kind of going to take me towards the uh, middle of August. Well, it's always uh, great to have some hang time with you. Um, always appreciate your candor and your willingness to, to um, enlighten us on uh, things uh, hockey and otherwise, and, and certainly uh, look forward to it uh, every year. And I'll always look forward to seeing you whenever I see you next. But thank thank you as always. Uh, for your for your generosity and your time with us here. Oh no, I appreciate it. It's, it's uh, lots of fun and uh, it's 
become an annual thing, hasn't it? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I look <laughs> forward to it every year. 20 plus years and <laughs> counting. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Thanks, yeah. Ross. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate it. This has been Break the Ice with Mike Vogel, presented by Power Up Premium Trail Mix, the official trail mix of the Washington Capitals. If you like the show, please leave a review.